Taking you through a Wednesday. Welcome in, everybody. How you doing? Uh, weather is going to be nice again today. That's uh, that's a good thing after what we went through last week. Sooners get a win over West Virginia, a win they had to have, and they got it, 72-59. The final last night, Tanner Groves has been a big thorn in the side of the Mountaineers this year, 17 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, Jordan Goldwire, I thought, had a great game as well, 16 points, 4 assists, 10 for Jalen Hill, 9 for Jacob Groves, who hits those early threes, it seems like in every game. West Virginia went 10 minutes without a field goal in the first half. Uh, made it a little interesting by halftime, but the Sooners closed down the stretch. And uh, Parker, I, I thought they performed very well uh, You know, down that last stretch of the game. That, that was a good, uh, solid win. West Virginia's not very good, obviously, but the Sooners had to have it, and they got it. Well, and it was encouraging to see them shut it down in the late stages, too. Right, because West Virginia had built some momentum. As you mentioned, there was that point where over the course of the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half, they went on a 12-0 run, really closed the gap. And then what have we seen time and time again with this Oklahoma basketball team over the final seven or eight minutes? Generally, <laughs> that's when the wheels start to come off. At least that's the way it's been for much of this season for Porter Moser's squad. But as West Virginia drew this game tighter and tighter and tighter, and you got later and later into the game, there came a point in time at which the switch just flipped and Oklahoma buried the Mountaineers. And more specifically, the Sooners' Mountaineer buried the Mountaineers. It's, no it really doubt, is yeah. funny, isn't it? Like yeah. Tanner Groves looks like your prototypical Mountaineer, and he was the one that sunk West Virginia. We we said the first time around, he he looks like you put him in the coonskin cap and that uh, tasseled uh, outfit. He looks like the uh, Mountaineer mascot. How no appropriate that he would be the one. And everything. But yeah, uh, twenty one the first time around, seventeen last night, and again Oklahoma wins at seventy two to fifty nine. They head to Manhattan, the Manhattan Project, try and win at K State, win at Bram. That would be a quad one win for Oklahoma. Again, you've got to win at least two if you avoid the 8-9 matchup. And you can do that by winning that game this weekend. Then you would get Baylor, Kansas Tech, whoever it would be in the other matchup. And if you win that one, then you're going to get in. Uh, you know, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Nevertheless, Porter Moser pretty happy last night. Obviously, afterwards, says a lot of guys contributed to that victory. Staying with it, guys, staying with it. I mean, um, Jacob Groves is, is making some shots. Uh, you know, I thought I thought Jalen Hill was plus 21 when he was on the floor. Um, I thought the two freshmen played really solid. Like like their minutes were good. It wasn't like it was negative 10 or anything when they were in there. CJ Nolan came in. Gave us a big lift. Bijan gave us a big lift. They had positive impacts on the game. Huge for our team. And uh, that that was, I, I really think that was a big part of the, the game. And we're going to stay with it. I know Marvin had a big game last time. And then this time it was just a flow. CJ came in and he was he was getting some good things done. And so it was just a flow. We need Marvin. We need uh, Ethan. We need everybody. But that's what you need this time. If you can get guys that are coming in, contributing, finding multiple guys, you can't win in this league if only one or two guys are having good games. There you go. And uh, last night, a lot of guys, as Porter said, did come through. I, I really like – I think Jordan Goldwire down the stretch has been really good for Oklahoma as well. Played his last game, uh, you know, for the Sooners at home last night. We'll see if he can continue that uh, trend of playing really well when the Sooners go to Manhattan this weekend. But nice win for Oklahoma, no doubt. And, again, at least there, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of hope left. There's a glimmer as they say. And 
You got to win at Kansas State. We're going to keep saying it because it's not going to be any less true for the remainder of this week. Mike, you have got to win at Kansas State. I guess in theory, if you're banking on an auto bid, I guess technically you don't have to win at Kansas State. But let's let's be real with ourselves. Oklahoma's not winning the Big 12 tournament. If Oklahoma gets in, it's going to have to be with an at-large bid. And to me, we've talked about it all throughout this week thus far. Mike, Oklahoma is two wins away from putting themselves on solid footing to be able to get an auto bid. But if they beat Kansas State and then lose in the first round of the Big 12 tournament, you're sitting at 17 and 15, and I'm not sure I like Oklahoma's chances at that Probably, point. Probably uh, will not get the bid, but uh, we'll see. Like I said, they're still playing hard. They haven't given up. I, I think they're a well-coached team. I, I think you know that uh, they're just playing in the toughest league in the country, and that's a game they should win last night, and they did win last night, 72-59 in the final. How about TCU beating Kansas last night? So Kansas still a little bit of work left. They will turn around and play TCU again tomorrow night in Lawrence. Their earlier matchup was postponed when uh, COVID issues were rocking the TCU program. And then Kansas will host Texas coming up on Saturday. But let's hear a little bit more from Porter Moser after the game last night. Uh, the one thing he said, the Sooners still hanging in there and they're still fighting. Because we needed it. I mean, we, we needed to control we control. We, we didn't play well at Texas Tech. Um, and we came back and just we said one at a time. We had to play well against Oklahoma State. We did. And then we put that in the bank. We had to play well here. And now, you know, now you get a little momentum. Anything can happen. I keep saying these after this. And we needed these two. And um, so it felt to get a little separation and confidence. And I will say this. Our get better tapes from the Oklahoma State, all, we, all that we showed them was the last five minutes of regulation and the overtime. I might have been nuts. But I showed him losing the 13-point lead and what we could have done better. Um, and then showed him uh, in overtime how they bounced back. I, show, I thought that showed great character. They got punched in the gut. They lost the lead. They could have said, here we go again. We rallied and, and won. And that's what we showed them. And I thought that we were much better the last five minutes. And just in terms of executing good possessions, uh, getting good stops defensively. I like that. Yeah. Because, yeah. like I said, and I I hadn't even heard that sound bite yet, but there was a stark contrast between the way that the Sooners closed this game and the way that they closed regulation against Oklahoma State on Saturday. I mean, you saw a team that made some strides, particularly in the mental side of the game. And to have that mentality, particularly the mentality that Tanner Groves had down the stretch where, hey, you know what, Porter Moser might not like it that I'm taking a shot from 20 feet out right now, but I'm going to step up and I'm going to bury it and I'm going to give this team the emotional lift that they need to close this one on an extended scoring run. It's that type of mentality that I feel has been absent for Oklahoma to this point in the season. And you started to see inklings of it last night against West Virginia. Now, that means nothing if you can't carry it over for at least the next two games and build off that momentum that you created. But really, really encouraging trend for Oklahoma last night. All right, so the Sooners get ready again to go to Manhattan uh, Saturday uh, on ESPN Plus, 3 o'clock tip-off time there. Meanwhile, Ogilvy State back in action tonight at Iowa State. That's a 6 o'clock uh, tip tonight. That's also an ESPN Plus game. And we have Bedlam for the ladies tonight. Uh, Jenny Baranchek and 19th-ranked Oklahoma head to Gallagher-Iba Arena to take on the Cowgirls, 6.30 ESPN Plus telecast there. So that's what's happening in the world of college basketball. Some good stuff last night. You had Villanova at home beating Providence, a, a great ending to the Purdue-Wisconsin game. The Badgers get it done on their home floor. That was crazy. I tell you what. 
I went to school back in the day with Chucky Hepburn, the kid that hit that buzzer beater for Wisconsin. I was like, what, five or six years older than him? And I would guard him at recess. He still worked me over. Really? Like, oh, like yeah. He was he's, in your he's, school. Wow. He's been that guy. Like, we, we all knew he was going to be special. But for him to hit that shot as a true freshman up at Wisconsin to clinch a regular season Big Ten title, that was awesome. Yeah, we had uh, some good hoops. We've got uh, Coach K, and they, they dominated Pittsburgh last night. Duke's playing really well right now. And uh, they won handily over Jeff Capel and Pitt. Jeff Capel honored Coach K uh, during the game last night. Obviously played for Coach K at Duke. Uh, and they will host Carolina in Coach K's uh, final appearance at Cameron Indoor Stadium. I hear the tickets are going through the roof. Like, the prices on those for Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor coming up this weekend against uh, Brady Manick and the Tar Heels. All right, thank you to Tim Lasher. Lasher, Home Comfort Systems. They'll do a great job for you, whether you're looking to repair, replace, or maintain your air conditioning system. Give Tim Lasher and uh, the folks at uh, Lasher Home Comfort Systems a call. They're family-owned and operated, servicing the greater Oklahoma City area for uh, 15 years now. Call them up at 405-579-3113. That's 579-3113 for all of your heat and air needs. Tim Lasher, great Sooner, great company. All right, what kind of a bump in recruiting will the Sooners get? Bob Stoops talks about that when we get back here on The Ref on a Wednesday. Yes, the Sooners are looking for new blood and a big weekend coming up, obviously, for OU. We'll talk more about that here in a little bit. You think about who they have in the 2023 class right now. Jackson Arnold, uh, Ashton Cozarts, Joshua Bates, and Eric McCarty. Will they add to that list coming up this weekend? We'll talk about that with Parker coming up here in a little bit. But yesterday, you guys, if you don't know, you should know. And now you do know. But Bob Stoops comes on the rush on Tuesdays with Tyler and Teddy. It's always great. Bob's doing a tremendous job, man. Uh, Not only with the work he's done with Fox. uh, I mean, uh, he, he was already a hero to Sooner Nation. Now he's like a superhero to Sooner Nation uh, with the job he did, you know, help leading the program when it was in flux, when Muleshoe left for L.A. and before the Sooners got Brent here and aboard and in Norman. Bob, uh, you know, got the victory in the Alamo Bowl, so everybody loves Bob Stoops. So on the rush yesterday with Teddy and Tyler, they asked Bob, does he think that Oklahoma will get a pretty big bump in recruiting now with the SEC? I really do. Um, You know, I think we've been knocking on the door, you know, been to – three playoff games here in the last five years. And, you know, we've, we've had, you know, we've been able to win the big 12, uh, you know, a great, good, great number of years and all, but that's kind of where we've been. And I, I think overall, I, I've said this, I think many times we're, you know, three, four, five players away from maybe winning it all, mm-hmm. whether it be, you know, maybe more on defense. Uh, but, you know, even, you know, even some offensive players are, but, you know, for sure, even some more defensive players where we've got an opportunity to to get over that hump. And, uh, you know, instead of being 11-2 and two and, you know, whatever, we're number 10 in the country this year, but we've been in the top 10. And maybe this, you know, this move, you know, with all the extra that goes with it and, and proving what we're doing around our facility as well, you put it all together and, and we get those four, five, six guys 
that now all of a sudden can make that difference. Yeah, and that's exactly what uh, Sooner fans are hoping for because, uh, you know, and OU was able to get, we talked about Caleb Kelly, was a five-star. We talked about Buki uh, being highly recruited. Um, but they, they haven't been able to get in on a ton of them. And now, at least, Parker, early in the uh, Venables era, you're starting to see the Sooners on a lot more lists with top-flight defensive guys. Now, the second part of that, get them here and close them, right? And we'll see if the Sooners can start doing that. Absolutely. And I think Bob Stoops makes a really good point there when he points out that, look, Oklahoma's not far off, right? When we're talking about what's going to push Oklahoma over the top and get them back to the national championship level to the point where they're hoisting the trophy again— you're not talking about major significant changes organizationally. You're not talking about overhauling the roster. You're just talking about another piece or two that haven't been there over the last few years. Because OU's been right there. They just haven't been able to take that final step to the final level. And so when you make the transition to the SEC, or even right now as you prepare to make the transition to the SEC, Having the SEC patch on your jersey, in some cases, can be the difference in these high-profile recruiting battles. And particularly in the new SEC, Mike, it's going to be very, very difficult for any program outside of SEC territory to compete with SEC programs for elite recruits because there's no longer going to be any question about where the best competition and where the best development opportunities in the country reside, and that is in the Southeastern Conference. So Oklahoma, I don't have any doubt, is going to see a recruiting boon as they make the transition and when they ultimately have fully made the transition. Yeah, and, and when you're a four- or five-star kid, uh, you're, you're concerned and you're wanting to play at a great program, you're wanting to play at a high level in college football if you're a four- or five-star, especially those five-star guys. Um, but what are you thinking about ultimately, particularly if you're a five-star? Preparing for the NFL, right? You want to make sure you go to a place that's going to get you ready where you can go in games. The and, old and, Caleb Williams approach, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. But <laughs> those guys, they want to go to the National Football League. And the way to the NFL, particularly on the defensive side of the football, has been go to the SEC or Clemson, right? And how many times in recruiting do you think the pitch was made? Man, you and I don't consider this negative recruiting. If, let's say you're at Alabama and somebody, you know, a couple years ago is considering OU in Alabama and you're a defensive player, I'm going to say you really want to go to the Big 12 and, uh, you know, play defense in the Big 12? All right, well, you know, good luck to you. Uh, that, to me, had always been the, the biggest hurdle for Oklahoma with a lot of these defensive guys is the Big 12's reputation, and I think they're playing better defense now. You've got, you know, Matt Campbell's done a pretty good job at Iowa State. Dave Aranda at Baylor, great turnaround uh, this past season, winning the, the conference championship. You know they're going to play pretty good defense. But the reputation of the league as a whole was, man, that's that's almost flag football there. Really? You want to go play defense? If you're a pass rusher, do you want to see these quarterbacks, you know, uh, you know, just getting rid of the ball almost instantaneously? So I, I do think that's something now where you're on the OU staff, you know, you, you've got that SEC patch, as you mentioned, and that means a lot to those guys. And I think, again, the NFL, for the really top-flight players out there, uh, you know, I know it didn't work out with Gabriel Brownlow-Dendy uh, in the end, but guys of that stature – 
the SEC is pretty important. Yes, and particularly because you have Brent Venables and Todd Bates on your staff. Now you add the SEC, and you can throw Jay Valai in that conversation as well. So you add the SEC patch to a staff that has recruited that territory very effectively in years past and has the proverbial skins on the wall. Oklahoma's in a really, really exciting position over the next few classes to do something really special and perhaps unprecedented when you think about the landscape of Oklahoma recruiting as it has historically appeared. Yeah, no doubt. So have you, in your conversations, you talk to a lot of these kids. Brandon talks to them all the time. You guys do a great job at 2470U Insider. Uh, is it, Look, a lot of the kids or coaches aren't going to tell you, well, you know, Oklahoma, they don't play SEC. But do you hear some of that uh, from the defensive guys over the past two or three years, maybe that OU's been on, that you can hear that SEC influence, you know, taking hold of a prospect, and then they eventually go there. Well, yeah, for some school. guys, and I don't know whether Oklahoma's part of the conversation in that regard, but, you know, you get to know some guys, and it's very, very evident they want to play in the SEC. Right? They want to go up against SEC competition on a weekly basis. And it's not the case for every single kid, right, because relationships matter a lot, and in general, that's going to be what tips the scales, ultimately. Sure, you want to have a good fit. Sure, you want to face elite competition. But if you don't have solid relationships with the coaches, you're probably not going to commit to XYZ school. And so, to me, yes, you run into those kids that want to play SEC ball. But on the other hand, on the flip side, you also have to have a staff where, you know, if you're in a position like Oklahoma is where you're getting ready to join the SEC and now you're going to be able to pitch the SEC, you're also going to need coaches in your corner that are outstanding relationship guys. And that's the other thing I don't know if we're talking about enough with this OU staff. They're all very relationship driven. And that starts at the top with Brent Venables. And so that's just another reason why there is so much optimism surrounding what Oklahoma's recruiting efforts are going to look like for the next few years. Yeah, and and Brent, what is the the uh, phrase he's always turning on? He wants you know uh, relational, uh, re- relational re- versus transactional. I think is the way he's put yes. it. You know, and uh, you can tell, man, that's real with him. That is real with him. And one of the first things he said, man, we're going to coach him up super hard, but we're going to love him harder. And you saw the clip of him out there, you know, uh, when they were going through workouts. Brent is, uh, he's going to be a fiery guy. I mean, he's always been a fiery guy. He was a fiery guy when he was at Oklahoma the first time around. We've seen him going crazy at Clemson, the veins popping out of his head. Uh, As I've said, the thing that I've seen more uh, from Brent uh, coming back to Oklahoma is I think he's filled with the spirit, man. Uh, and obviously that that changed, but it, it doesn't hasn't changed his aggressive nature and the way he wants to coach football. But I do think it is uh, something that has molded him maybe a little bit differently in the way that he approaches the game, in the way that he approaches. I mean, it's still you're going to go after great players, but also I think they're looking more at uh, really good fits too. Does that make sense? Yes. That they're going, that they are, you know, it's not just going to look, hey, man, let's check all the five and four stars in the area and around that we can get in, in uh, recruiting uh, areas that we're pretty good in and just check off the list. 
they're looking at guys that right now that we've talked about that are three-star kids that maybe aren't getting the big offers right now, but they think they can be really good players at Oklahoma and a good fit for the program. I think the kind of kid they bring in is is just as important as the quality of the player, it seems like. Which well, And it goes back to culture, too. Yeah, right? absolutely. The three things you have to have in order to win a national title in college football or even to have a successful team, period, Mike, is you have to have talent, you have to have coaching, and you have to have culture. And if you're not recruiting high-character guys, then the culture is going to suffer. And one of the things that always stands out to me when I think about the very first things that Brent Venables said when he stepped on campus again as Oklahoma's head football coach was one of the things he said was, you recruit your problems. And that really stuck out because it's 100% true. And... I look at Texas A&M, which, by the way, just kicked a five-star off their roster earlier today because of something that had to do with the – I don't know. I don't know the whole situation. But it's an example of a place like that, right, where they have all the talent in the world and they might have good coaching, but the culture is not where it needs to be to get that program over the top and put them in contention for a national championship on an annual basis. Oklahoma is going to have the talent because, quite frankly, Mike, they're Oklahoma. You're confident in the coaching staff, not just Brent Venables, but everybody that he's assembled around him. And you have to be really, really encouraged with where the culture is headed and the culture that's already been instilled in Norman. And what all of that adds up to, Mike, is a prevailing belief that this Oklahoma football team is headed into a golden age, an age where it's not going to be asinine to expect that they're going to contend for national championships year in and year out. They're not going to need to catch lightning in a bottle and have a ridiculous amount of returning talent or one guy that's head and shoulders above the rest at his position in college football. No, Oklahoma's going to be in a position perennially where they have the talent, they have the coaching, and they have the culture that's going to put them in the upper echelon of college football. Yeah, and I think this, look, and I don't think either of us are saying, man, just expect multiple national championships in Brent's first five years or something like that. Uh, But I I do like the culture. And when you think of that 2000 team, the the last Oklahoma team to win a national championship, that was was a culture team. I mean, if that, that team defined culture. A lot of those players were John Blake recruits, right? Uh, And guess what? They got coached up. They got a big change when Bob Stoops and Jerry Schmidt and those assistant coaches came to town. That's the only national championship team of the last quarter century that had not recruited a top 10 overall class in any of the previous four cycles before they won the title. And they had a great – Josh Heupel was not the most talented quarterback out there, but he was football smart, had a great football uh, IQ, uh, was a tremendous leader. He told those guys before the season they have enough talent in that locker room to win a national championship, and they did. And I think they started 17th in the country. That was – and look, they had some players on that team, obviously. It's not like you can't have some players – but uh, a lot of those guys were John Blake recruits. They were supplemented by Bob's first recruiting class, and uh, they went out and won the national championship. And that that championship was all about culture, no doubt about it. All right, uh, great culture over at Lasher Home Comfort Systems because we know that Tim's a great dude. And, uh, I mean, like I said, 
Tim was the guy you never worried about on the big field goal, right? Stillwater, Lincoln, wherever. Tim Lasher was going to knock it through the uprights. He'll do the same for you uh, when you need some work on your air conditioning system. Give them a call at 405-579-3113. That's 579-3113. Lasher Home Comfort System sponsoring our first hour here on The Ref. I want to come back and uh, set up something for the Air Comfort Solutions text line asking you about your current state of fandom. We will do that next. All right, we're back. Man, I uh, I love some white stripes back in the day. Jack White's different breed of cat, but uh, really good also. How's Meg doing? Do we know? I have no idea, Mike. I don't either. I don't either, but uh, Seven Nation Army, as that was an arena uh, theme for a long time. It still is. It still is. It's maybe not as prominent as it used to be, but it's still hanging in there. Still hanging in there for sure. I would say it's arguably more prominent than any modern song that gets played by college football bands or yeah. uni- university bands at college football games. Yeah, I think that's probably accurate. I think that's probably accurate. All right, I, I want to throw this out there today on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Uh, and I was thinking about this today because Major League Baseball, you know, the, the owners and the players uh, haven't reached an accord yet. They're still hung up. We have canceled the first two series uh, of the season uh, who knows when we'll get this done? I don't think it. I don't think we're facing like uh, missing half the season or anything. But that's certainly frustrating. And I can remember as a kid, uh, you know, uh, basically just about every sport was important to me. But do you care that much that the baseball season is, uh, you know, traveling a rocky road right now to start the the campaign? I mean, if you ask me, does it bother you? Uh, on the scale of one to ten, it's about a two out of ten. To be honest with you, does it bother you? What? Hang on. What? What that exactly? The baseball season is—I don't know if you would say in in question because I well, think they're going to get a deal done. But I don't know that. Look, you still have a lot of hardcore baseball fans out there, but it's not nearly what it used to be. Yeah, I understand. And I guess I guess my question was more: so, what exactly pertaining to that situation uh, am I upset with? And yes, I like. My level of, I guess, discomfort is perhaps the word, or displeasure. Let's go with Mm -hmm. displeasure. My level of displeasure that this situation is transpiring is very high because you know I'm a baseball guy, Mike, and this is not something that in my lifetime baseball has dealt with. There was the NHL lockout a while back. The NBA had a lockout, but... This is the first time, I believe in my lifetime, that the MLB has had a lockout. And so I am I am displeased with how this situation has all been handled. I do think in the long run, though, it's probably good for the game. For the same reason that Mule Shoe leaving Oklahoma was good for the university. Freaking Mule Shoe. Because God, I don't want to think about that, dude. I understand. I, understand. I blocked listen. him on Twitter. I blocked remember, him. <laughs> remember the first 24, 48 hours after Mule Shoe left, we were all sitting here like, goodness gracious, what is going to become of Oklahoma football? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then a week and a half later, we were like, well, 
They might honestly be better off without him right. than they were with him. Now, I, the reason I say that about the MLB is because, yes, it sucks that this is going on right now. And everyone hates the fact that the season isn't going to start on time. And Rob Manfred, who sucks, is deservedly becoming the target of a lot of very public criticism, uh, including... And by the way, I have to I have to give a shout out to Jeff Passan because that dude is the premier MLB insider and he also he, he just knows when to take the gloves off. And he's been taking the gloves off all week on Rob, Rob Manfred. I love it. Baseball it, though as a sport, they're the old guy yelling get off my lawn. They still seem so behind the times in terms of well, marketing. Here's here's where I want to take this though, Parker. Here's where I want to take this. Okay, right? okay. How has your sports fandom changed over the years because to me as a kid man i couldn't wait to go get the baseball cards ride the bicycle up to 7-eleven get that sugary square of gum hopefully get rod carew's card he was my favorite player back in the day or the oakland a's uh and then we'd play games with the baseball cards you know and i'm the idiot who of course probably ruined a small fortune by doing that but baseball was it man baseball was it it was as big as any other sport now for me if i watch a regular season major league baseball game from start to finish i haven't done that in 20 years i'll do it in the playoffs uh occasionally i'll do it some in the world series but it's completely changed and I'm just wondering how that – I think football for us here, obviously with OU, it takes precedence. But football, again, you feel like you have something on the line every week. Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, eh, it's game 24 of 82 or whatever. Uh, plus you get to go out and be with your friends at you know tailgating or even if you have a watch party, you may watch it on the patio or wherever, have a bunch of people over. Football just means more, and I don't see that changing. I worry a little bit about the direction of college football, but to me, like I, I could care less hardly about this baseball news. Well, I want to know how your fandom has changed over the years. Which sport do you love the most, and which sport have you lost interest in and why on the Air Comfort Solutions text line? I've progressively lost more and more interest in basketball, specifically the NBA. I, you you cannot pay me enough to watch an NBA game these days. Now, if the it Thunder is, was the old Thunder, uh, you know, as one of the real contenders to win a championship, would would that have changed? Would no, that be different no. for me right now? I haven't. Was it a political deal? Was it too no, many it's games? Just, it's is just it, the type of thing where it's the game's not entertaining anymore, and I don't know if it's because of the way things have evolved. I I, I hate watching guys like James Harden. Mm -hmm. who have turned the game into a flop fest and end up putting up these ridiculous numbers by virtue of the fact that you know they get their toe stepped on and get to and the free the throw line and 20 end up times a game 25 free throws yeah. every single game i dislike that development um i man the early splash brothers with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson right when they were starting to get good that was about the last time I was legit interested in the NBA. I think it's also just because, you know, some of the game's iconic players over the years have since retired. I loved watching Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant was maybe the most fun player, in my mind, to watch that uh, the professional basketball landscape has seen in the 21st century. At this point, I, I don't know if I could name a single starting five in the NBA. I, I don't know why. I don't know if there's one specific reason it's become – so irrelevant to me but you cannot make me care about the nba these days you can't 
the sport that I've come to appreciate more over the years, I would say probably football, just because my undying love for baseball has always been there. But particularly college football, I used to be a lot more of an NFL guy when I was younger. And I think it was I think it was when I got to college that I really started to develop an appreciation for college football and the beauty of the sport and the level of play and everything that is part and parcel of the experience. Um, the traditions of college football yes, separated, yes. you know, because there's so many different ones. And, uh, I, you know, growing up, Parker, I always thought, and I like the NFL too, don't get me wrong, and I would go buy the football cards and the basketball, all of them. But uh, the NFL, a lot of it looked the same. Everybody's running the pro set. Uh, now it's changed a little bit. People run some different stuff. But college football to me was super unique, and the fan experience to me, and you know the marching bands. Uh, you know, uh, I think the Redskins have a marching band, or not the Redskins yeah, they do. anymore, but the, the what the are they? Commanders, the commanders now, yeah. Uh, but back when they were the Redskins, they, I know they had the marching band. But the football experience is so much, and I just feel like I've got to have something really on the line to be totally invested in your game, and football gives you that feeling because there are less games. Games mean more. Like I said, NBA, you're in the tank mode like the Thunder right now. Am I going to pay attention to the game? Yeah, I'll pay attention to it, but it might be on my phone while I'm watching something on Netflix. Sure. You know, that's how I experience a Thunder game now. And to come full circle on my original thought in the MLB, I think the fact that this lockout is taking place and there's really no end in sight at this point because both sides seem in staunch opposition. Pretty dug in. Yeah, I think this long-term is going to be good for the game because it's going to wake people up to the problems that currently plague the MLB and the reasons why the public has started to lose interest in the game, much the way that Muleshoe's departure made the BMDs in and around Norman, Oklahoma realize – Shoot, we're going to have to start forking over money if we want to see this football program uh, ascend to the level that we believe it can ascend to. I agree. I want to see it ascend. And that's a good point because I don't think that's been brought up enough, but it did wake some people up. It did wake some people up. You're not seeing all these analysts coming in. You're not seeing the size of this staff. Uh, you know, changing without maybe this is one of the reasons why Muleshoe was uh, was looking elsewhere. Yeah, and uh, had the wondering eye. I don't know, but it it paid off because Brent Venables is getting pretty much everything he wants right now. It looks like, and maybe this is what makes MLB administrators and hopefully Rob Manfred. Maybe this is what wakes them up to the fact that we need to do something within our game to start to appeal to the fans. We need to put the fans first. Because I'll be honest with you, Mike, I don't think fans want to see a pitch clock. I don't think fans want to see larger bases. I don't think fans want to see shifts getting banned. I don't think fans want to see – I'm trying to think of what are, what are the other innovations that – I don't think fans are wanting to see limited mound visits or a minimum number of batters that a pitcher faces. I think – Baseball in its purest form was the baseball that people appreciated the most. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And more so than any other sport, there are still more purists out there for baseball than any sport. I mean, basketball fans, they can live with a change. Yeah, you want to move the three-point line back? All right. You want to take away hard and go into the free-throw line as much this year? Okay, yeah. We're, we're definitely good with that. With baseball, you tinker with baseball, and a lot of people still get upset. But I want to know how your fan experience has changed. Which sport have you lost interest in? 
What sport can you not miss? Let us know on the text line, Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Be right back. All right, we are back here on a Wednesday edition. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Let's go right to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405 405- 651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Uh, asking you the question, how your fandom has changed over the years uh, with certain sports? Uh, which ones are you kind of like out on now? And which ones maybe have you developed a new appreciation for? One listener says, I'm 45, and as I've gotten older, here's my fandom. One, OU Sports. Two, NFL. Three, I increasingly love MLB as I've gotten older. Well, good for you. Uh, you know, it's I, I, the thing I worry about with baseball, and I've always said I think there are two sports, Parker, best experienced uh, in the arena or at the ballpark. And obviously bringing a ballpark, it's baseball. And I think hockey's the same way. Uh, when the Blazers are going great here in Oklahoma City, I mean, those the, the old myriad back in the day was packed out. Uh, and hockey's a fun sport to see in person. I don't think it's a great sport for TV, and I think baseball is kind of the same way. All right, let's get some more in. Mark in Newcastle says, I love college basketball and have zero interest in the NBA. Thank you, Mark. We're on the same page there. There you go. I love MLB and NHL, but their marketing and business models have evolved into something that focuses on more money as opposed to games every night in all living rooms and affordability for families to attend games regularly. There is no reason OKC Dodgers games should not be on local basic TV like it used to be with the 89ers and the Red Hawks. Now you have to have a subscription for everything, and it's hurting everything that depends on the blue-collar dollar to survive. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, sports is big business now. And, you know, I, I love, absolutely love OU women's softball. I mean, it's awesome. Chris Plank, his call, awesome. Plank's so good. But, uh, you know, and, but the flow softball thing. I, we have already a million subscriptions to Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime and ESPN Plus and Disney Plus. I know they're the same, but we have subscriptions. I've got them out. The, they're running out the wazoo is what they're doing. So, flow softball, I'm looking at that. Do I want to go 12 bucks on that a month? I know it doesn't seem like a whole bunch, but once you have a million other subscriptions, you even had probably subscriptions out there that you've forgotten about. Legit. Right? Yeah. And so, but it, look, everybody's trying to make a buck, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm still considering, by the way, because I, I love me some OU women softball. It's awesome. Anyway, all right, 405-651-3439. Chris says on the text line, the purists are pretty much the only people that still watch baseball. That's exactly right, Chris. I agree 100% with you. And that's why you don't try to artificially evolve baseball. You're alienating more fans with pitch clocks and California rules, extra innings, so you're and saying larger bases. You don't want to eliminate. You, you don't want to um, make the purists mad because the purists are the ones that are still watching. The purists make up the vast majority of your fan base as a sport, and so I think as you continue to as you continue to let technology infiltrate the game of baseball in whatever form or fashion, you continue to make these small-scale changes that impact the sanctity of the game, as it has historically uh, been known, you're alienating more fans than you're bringing in. 
you are losing more fans than you are creating. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a very likely scenario. And the beauty of baseball for years and years, it's been romanticized so much. There's no clock, man. There's no clock in baseball. There's no crying in baseball. There's no timing in baseball. You don't need timing in baseball. But I, I wonder about the future because, you know, our, uh, our, our big sports for the longest time, way back when, when our grandparents were around, were, major, were baseball, boxing, and even at one time, horse racing. Well, with this generation and the short attention spans, and man, I, you know, I, I have time to watch a 20-second video. But I don't have time to watch anything beyond that, you know. And look, I'm part of the problem, too, and I'm almost 60 years old. And Shay and I, when we're watching a movie, half the time we're looking at her phone. She's looking at her iPad. You know, that's just the way it is now. So, and that doesn't bode well for baseball and uh, the way you play the game. And, but I hope they don't change it, you know. Uh, we'll see. It's, it's crazy. All right. I uh, want to continue to hear from you guys and you ladies out there on how your fandom has changed. For, for instance, when you were a kid, how did you feel about a certain sport? Because like I said, man, when the Major League Baseball game of the week came on, I would not miss it. You had one shot at a baseball game every week. One shot. I remember being so fired up the Twins were going to be on. I was actually going to get to see Rod Carew play a game. I wouldn't miss that, and I didn't miss that. Then uh, the Superstation came along with the Braves and WGN with the Cubs and then ESPN and the MLB Network. I mean, you have options. You can buy the, the package, of course, for all the pro sports. But I just – there, I, you couldn't make me sit down and watch an entire baseball game right now, a Major League Baseball game. Uh, if, if I did, I'd have to watch it like on my phone while I'm watching something on Netflix. That's just how it is. I want to know what you guys and you ladies think. 405-651-3439 of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Thank you, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort System. That's a wrap for hour number one. We've got an award-winning, maybe, second hour on the way here on the ref. Oh, yeah. How we doing? It is Wednesday. I want to thank the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for sponsoring our second hour here on uh, the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network, Steelman and Thune at noon, exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck. With the greatest guarantee of all time, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel from the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. All right. Also, Riverwind Casino, best promotions in the gaming industry. Month after month after month, they just keep cranking them out. More ways to win, more opportunities to you. Uh, for you to win cash or bonus play, utilize that wild card. You might even win a really nice vehicle. What about the $80,000 courtside cash promotion? Uh, the drawing is coming up on Friday nights, and you can get out there and win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play all the way through March 25th. They also have an incredible promotion, the $80,000 Land Into Luxury promotion. The actual uh, promotion begins on March 13th. You need to play on Thursdays and Sundays with your wild card to get 10 times the entries for that promotion. You could end up winning a bunch of cash and bonus play or a brand-new 2022 Cadillac CT5 worth over $60,000. The drawing is March 26th out at Riverwind. They've got the new Member 7 happening where you could win up to $450 in a single day. Sign up. 
Get yourself a wild card. Become a new member. They've got the Thunder wild card still out there. Very cool looking. Uh, but get those wild. They're still available. They've just got a ton of things happening at Riverwind. You can always eat well out there at Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant or at the River Buffet. Steak night on Friday. Seafood night on Sunday. And a great brunch on Sunday. And at the food court now, they've got an IHOP. So you want breakfast around the clock? It's available to you now at Riverwind. That's why they are simply the best. All right, let's get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, talking about uh, how your fandom has changed over the years. And I was thinking about this because of the uh, problems we had, the labor relations issues right now with baseball. First two series of the upcoming season have been uh, canceled. Uh, and I'm just trying to think about, man, as a kid, how much I love baseball. And I still like baseball, but it's not nearly the same. Not nearly the same. Oki Vall says, it doesn't bother me at all. I still enjoy the game of baseball itself, but the business of baseball has turned me off. Major League Soccer will soon overtake baseball as one of the big three. Well, I mean, maybe 10, 15 years ago, we would have laughed at that, right? It was like, I remember people saying, man, soccer. People still talk about soccer. Well, guess what a lot of the young people are playing? More than maybe anything else, soccer. Right? How many people know about the Premier League now or La Liga or some of the other leagues? Or they support, like me, I support Arsenal. Uh, or they're, you know, Man U fans or, uh, you know, uh, Man City fans or Chelsea, whoever, Liverpool, and, the, you know, the other uh, big time international clubs. Not, not many when I was growing up at all. And now you're getting. Those games, uh, you know, piped into America more so than ever, and there are a lot more soccer fans. So that wouldn't be absolutely crazy to me for me to see see that happen in like 20, 25 years. I, I, I don't think that's crazy at all. Let's see what else we got. Stu in Florida says, baseball vote, zero out of ten. Bring me spring football. So Stu cares not at all about what is happening with baseball. I would say in in this area, in the state of Oklahoma, there are probably a lot more people interested, yes, in spring football than Major League Baseball. Dave the Sooner says, My fandom is Navy football. Didn't follow it until while on active duty. Had the privilege of working with a few players for a month and then attended a few games at the Naval Academy. I bet that's a lot of fun, man. It really. Thanks I, for your service, by the way. And, yeah, the, the academies, there's a, there's a purity there, right? The Army-Navy game, and we always talk about, uh, man, I don't know that there's an atmosphere that can match Oklahoma-Texas, and, and I don't know if it – but, man, I'd sure like to go see an Army-Navy game. I mean, you're swelling with American pride in, in that environment, and um, I don't know. I, I like that take. And, you know, I'd love to see still the triple option. You know, we've had that at uh, – at uh, at West Point and, of course, at Navy as well. Uh, Air Force's uniforms are also super cool. Uh, so I like that take. 405-651-3439. Let us know. We'll continue to take some of these, how your fandom has changed over the years. What has changed things so much? You can talk about money, but I think that the fact that the sport, even that you maybe love the most, is so accessible now in so many different ways. And that's a great thing. That If you want to watch the Philadelphia 76ers play every regular season game, guess what? You can. 
you know, and when I was following Larry Bird and the Celtics, you know, a long, long time ago, and if I had the opportunity, I mean, we would see the uh, the Sunday doubleheader, which you were usually going to get the Lakers and the Celtics. You might get Dr. J and the Sixers or maybe the Bad Boy Pistons back in the day. Uh, and eventually we went to the TNT stuff and everything. But, uh, I mean, you saw it, it was the weekend. That's when you got your sports. Now we have so much out there. Do you think that, like I said, one of the reasons maybe I love baseball so much is you were you were imagining those games in, in your brain, right? Listening on the radio and hearing a great call like Jack Buck and Mike Shannon back here when it used to be K&OR back in the day. But uh, so it, that was your opportunity to see your heroes like once a week. That was it. I think accessibility is a big part of the conversation, too. And that's actually why the NBA is probably doing so well right now, even though, like I said, you couldn't make me care about it. But the NBA has made their entire league. Well, it, it, it kind of tracks with the nature of basketball, right? You see highlights circulating on social media, much more so with basketball and much more immediately with basketball than you do with any of the other sports. I feel where the MLB has hurt itself is that its games are no longer nearly as accessible. Like, for me, Mike, I am a diehard Los Angeles Dodgers fan. The Dodgers are are an organization that has some very weird restrictions on uh, where and how their games can be televised and broadcast. And so I only get to watch the Dodgers if they're playing on national TV, which is usually, say, a Sunday night, for instance, throughout the season. But it's situations like that where it makes me wonder, why doesn't the MLB make an effort to get its teams in front of more eyeballs? Because if I didn't care as much as I do about the Dodgers, if I was just a casual, I wouldn't make the effort to go and watch them. I'd just follow them on Twitter. I'd track the game based on what I saw on social media. Yeah, and, and I think, again, if you're looking for the, uh, the the angry old man of Major League Sports, it is Major League Baseball. Yes. You know, they're the Archie Bunker and the uh, um, Andy Rooney from 60 Minutes, you know, kind of guy. Um, and, again, I, I just think that that's pro- – have you ever been out to Dodger Stadium? Have you ever seen a game there at Dodger Stadium? Yes, yes, I have. It's and nice, I- huh? Yes, it's it, it's been a long time, and I want to go back. It's been almost 15 years. Uh, May of 2007, I want to say they won the game 2-1. to one. Mark Hendrickson was pitching for the Dodgers, and that's about all I can remember. I had an ice cream sandwich at the ballpark. No Dodger dog? I did not have a Dodger dog. No, I mean I was I was eight, so I didn't understand the uh, the allure of the Dodger dog at that point. I want to say it was May second, two thousand seven. That was the only Dodger game I've been to at Dodger Stadium. Dude, I, here's how. How long ago I went to Dodger Stadium? We went on a vacation to see my aunt and uncle out in California. They live out there where freaking Mule Shoe lives uh, in Torrance, and we went to a Dodgers game, and. Uh, how long ago was that? Well, Joe Simpson, former Oklahoma Sooner All-American for Ena Seymour, current broadcaster, of course, still for the Atlanta Braves, was playing right field for the Seattle Mariners. Back in the day. Uh, when the Dodgers uh, played 
or was he playing for the Dodgers at that time? He would have had to have been with the that would have been seventy eight. So he was playing for the Dodgers because they wouldn't have been playing Seattle. There was no interleague play. But I remember Joe Simpson out there at right field, and that was nineteen. It would have been I think nineteen seventy eight. But I remember being mesmerized by the place. Super cool. I'm looking back at the box score from that day, May 2nd, 2007. Yep, Mark Hendrickson went six innings for the Dodgers, three hits, seven strikeouts. They won two to one. This is a throwback of a lineup. Rafael Furcal, Juan Pierre, Nomar, Jeff Kent, Russell Martin, Wilson Bedemeet, Andre Ethier. Wow, those – Nomar was just Nomar in L.A. It was Nomar uh, back in the day, though, right? That's right. It wasn't. Who was Nomar with for a while? Was he with Danica? No, it was Mia Hamm. Mia Hamm. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, of course Aaron Rodgers with with Danica, but yeah, it was Mia Hamm. Are they still together? I think I, they I, are, I, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, as far as I know. Let me do some uh, quick background research. I'm I'm almost positive there's only they're one, still together. Yeah, there's only one Nomar, so. Uh, okay, let's go to his personal life section. Go ahead and Google of it up. The uh, Wikipedia page. Yeah, they're still together. Golly, they've been together what fifteen years or so? Maybe uh, something since like that. Two thousand three. Holy cow! Almost twenty years. There you go. All right. Uh, thank you again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. We're here in the Brown O'Haver Studios on this Wednesday. Uh, you want to continue the conversation on the Air Comfort Solutions text line? You can do it four zero five six. Five one thirty four thirty nine. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, with you. Let's come back. Turn our attention to OU football next. Okay, we are right here with you on the Home for Sooner Fans, the Rep Radio Network, on your Wednesday, and let's talk a little Sooner football. So, uh, man, how things can change, right? After freaking Mule Shoe made his move. Thank, thank, thank goodness he did. Now looking back, though. But Sooner fans were expecting to see Caleb Williams uh, play out his career at Oklahoma, be in New York for like a Heisman ceremony, maybe win the Heisman, and that is not how it's going to play out. Obviously, Dylan Gabriel will be the Sooners quarterback next year. Gabriel was on the uh, podcast on the Prairie with Jeremiah Hall and Braden Willis recently and said, uh, so far, man, he likes it in Norman a lot, loves his new teammates and the coaching staff. There's a bunch of great dudes. Um, just a bunch of smart dudes, too. Like, just great men. Um, and just being around those kind of guys um, just uplifts the whole program and, and all the guys in that building. So, um, you know, got to connect with B-Will. Um, we actually got to go to dinner. You know, got a lot closer and just connected on a different level. But for the most part, like, just a bunch of great dudes have opened, me, opened up, you know, or let me, you know, come in with open arms, and, and I'm grateful for it. All right, there you go. So where should the bar be set for Dylan Gabriel? We talked about Brent Venables in his first season. What what should the expectation level be for Dylan Gabriel? Well, the expectation should be that he's the best quarterback in the Big 12. I don't think that's too lofty. I, I, Who's in I, the running for all Big 12 quarterback? Well, it'll be Spencer Sanders. Spencer it'll Sanders. Be Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers at Texas. We'll see if he can live up to the hype. Is the Bohannon kid back at Baylor? Yeah, he is. But, but I, he, uh, he's not any good. Yeah, it's, that's more about the defense and, and other aspects of the game. To me, I don't know why. What about Chandler Morris? Maybe he'll be the guy. If he starts. Yeah. Could be Max Duggan. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's, it's at be least going to be a battle there. Interesting quarterback battle down there at TCU. But. 
No, I think based on what Dylan Gabriel has done at the collegiate level, I feel like the inclination nationally will be to sell him short because I guess just because he's in new digs at Oklahoma. But what he did at UCF over the course of his three seasons there would lead me to believe that he will be first team all Big 12 next season. And I'm not saying that's a sure thing, but what I am saying is when you look at his track record, he has arguably accomplished more as a quarterback at the collegiate level than any of his peers in the Big 12. And as you mentioned, uh, I think you were one of the first people on this the last time the Sooners won a national championship. They had a Southpaw quarterback, and Dylan Gabriel is that. You you know, and uh, you heard Jeff Levy talk about this uh, when he was on the Zoom a while back, uh, that he was maybe more of a guy who wanted to stay in the pocket a lot earlier in his career, but he's been able to get out and make some plays uh, downfield, use his feet a little bit. Uh, are you saying maybe like a poor man's Baker Mayfield? How, how would you assess what you see from him as he gets ready to take the field in the spring and next fall? Yeah, I think it's unfair to compare anybody to Baker because Baker's one of the top ten players in the history of college football, many would argue. At least modern college football when you're talking about the 21st century uh, or over the last few decades. But Dylan Gabriel has a lot of those same tools. And, you know, the stature is not overwhelmingly impressive. He's five foot eleven. On a good day. And he is not, he doesn't fit the traditional mold of what a quarterback's physique looks like. But at the same time, he is uber competitive. He's aggressive with the football. He knows how to place it. He's smart in the pocket and at the line of scrimmage. He's got all of the tools to be an all Big 12 quarterback at Oklahoma and to take this program to a Big 12 championship and potentially to a college football playoff. And I I don't know. I really don't know what the narrative will be. Because like I said, when you look at his track record, you have to expect that he's going to excel at Oklahoma. But I also understand that he's in a new environment with a first-year head coach and a first-year offensive coordinator and all the concerns about all the new are probably going to override any of the conversations surrounding Dylan Gabriel's sheer talent on the football field. I don't know if that's fair. I think it's certainly fair to expect from the national media, and believe me, we know what the national media thinks of Oklahoma thus far in the offseason. So I don't know how much of that dialogue is going to evolve as we get closer and closer to the season. But for me, I have high expectations for Dylan Gabriel, and I think most everybody should have high expectations for him. He's proven that he's capable of meeting and or exceeding those expectations. Now, remember when uh, this first happened with Dylan Gabriel, he was at UCLA, didn't go to class. It was right down to the wire, and he didn't go to class uh, at UCLA, obviously, and he ends up at Oklahoma. And uh, there was no – Caleb Williams was not in the portal yet. It took a little while for that to happen. Now, the general feeling was, well, it looks like Caleb Williams is going to go in the portal, um, no doubt about it. But uh, the answer I liked most when he was on the podcast on the Prairie with Jeremiah Hall and Braden Willis uh, was when he said, you know what, he wasn't afraid of uh, coming to Oklahoma and competing. Honestly, I try, I tried to keep, you know, other people's, you know, situations out of it. Um, I just felt like it was an open opportunity. Um, that's what I was told. And, and once I heard that, I ran with it. Um, it was just an open opportunity. It was a, a chance to, you know what I mean, play with a really good team. Um, this school's got a lot of history with quarterbacks, but also just with great players. So it's just a lot A lot comes with it. But, you know, I'm, I'm also, you know, the man for the job and excited for it. 
And I know there's a lot of guys around me too. Um, just being able to be at a different program and then coming to this one, um, there's a lot of great things that, that come with this program too that you know a lot of people don't get to see. Now, the other part of that equation is, uh, Parker, what would have happened had Caleb Williams, you know, end up coming back to Oklahoma? I guess we'll never know, right? But uh, I like that answer still. And the big question that I think a lot of people have surrounding the Oklahoma football program, again, um, is the Sooners were the sexy offensive team with the great quarterbacks for the longest time. And uh, you can talk about, yeah, Baker was here when Muleshoe got here, but uh, Kyler Murray, you know, and uh, I, uh, like I said, I thought his best work, Muleshoe's best work was what he did, uh, you know, tailoring the offense, changing up his offense a little bit for Jalen Hurts. I thought that was really well done. But the thought may be, well, you know, Oklahoma, look, Malachi Nelson, where did he end up? He ended up with Muleshoe out at Southern Cal. What are the Sooners going to do? Now, they got Nick Evers, obviously a four-star kid. Uh, from Texas, you have Jackson Arnold coming in, also another four-star out of Denton in the uh, 2023 class. Um, I don't know. I, I, they're not five stars yet. Maybe they'll. Uh, maybe Arnold will get that fifth star. But he's getting very close. We did a rankings update today at 24/7 Sports. He is now in the composite top 40, which means he gains about five more spots. He'll get that fifth star. So. In all likelihood, he's going to get there. Yes, I would expect that, particularly if he has a strong performance at the Elite 11 this summer. By the way, did you see Caleb Williams gifted Beats headphones to all the members of I the did USC see that. basketball yeah, program? What, see what that. are the odds that Caleb Williams paid for those Beats out of his own pocket? Zero. <laughs> well, I don't know. He's got some NIL money. but It was either Beats or it was USC Athletics, but one way or another – it was all a PR move. Oh, like, okay, yeah, how yeah. do how, hmm, how do we make Caleb Williams look good in the public eye? And look, he's a good kid. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's somebody that they need to make look good in the public eye, but it's almost like every single thing he does now at USC, there's a cameraman out there following him around, and it all feels very. <sighs> it all feels like an advertisement for USC football and for Caleb Williams, doesn't it? It feels like oh, yeah, absolutely. To, it feels like they're trying to portray him as the second coming out there. I, I I've never uh, been one of those people who despised L.A. or SoCal at all. Um, you know, I used to go out there quite a bit. I made the decision I never wanted to live there, but I wasn't. Now I'm going to start yelling at clouds in about the liberals out there in California. You know. Um, yeah. I just don't I, – I wish them the absolute worst. and it, The absolute worst. Yeah. But well, at least I didn't send the tweet out, though, that I hope uh, Mule Shoe gets eaten by a shark uh, with the beach tweet. I don't, I don't understand why USC feels the need to launch this massive PR campaign for Caleb Williams. They should be launching it for Mule Shoe, if anything. Because, yeah. look, just, just let Caleb Williams handle his business, man. He's going to be successful. He's going to put up numbers at USC. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, Muleshoe's going to win games there. Uh, the thing that – you know what really bothers me? i tell you what bothers me. And, again, what I have found out, and I am 100% pure Oklahoman too because I don't like people taking shots at the state of Oklahoma. I don't. And you see some of these SC fans, whoa, couldn't do this in Norman. You know what? Norman's a great place. 
Great place to now Highway 9 sucks and some, you know, we have our problems here like any pl- any any other place. Uh, you can't get around uh, the city efficiently enough, uh, you know, from the east side to the west side, but or vice versa, obviously. But uh, Norman's a great place. I don't like people, you know, out there talking about, I know the weather's great and you've got all those self-absorbed celebrities out there, but I don't like people who take pot shots at the state of Oklahoma. And Mulesu's out there. He's, you know, kind of, he's got that cheesy grin on his face. He, he, he is a bad human. I've just made that decision. And that's right what I'm now. saying. Like, that's what I'm if saying. there's one guy that you need to prop up in the public eye, it's not Caleb Williams because people already love that kid. Mm-hmm. That's not specific to people within the USC contingent. But right now, if you're not within the USC contingent and or Colin Cowherd, your perception of Muleshoe has probably diminished somewhat over the last few months. It's not just Oklahoma fans that have come to look with a little bit of disdain upon Muleshoe. Mm. Believe me, <laughs> I've talked to people all across the country and they all see the same thing. Wow, he, he really did that? He did that like that? And so that is... That is a guy whose public image legitimately needs some rehabilitation. And winning cures all ills. Oh, yeah, I get yeah. that. And he's going to win. He's going to win. Again, could they win a national championship? I mean, I got to say, no, he'll never get one. I mean, who knows? But I, I got to see it to believe it. I got to see it to believe it. But I, I'm just, I don't know. When I see t- people uh, taking pot shots at the state, too, I don't like that. I, and I'm surprised. Again, my oaky pride is very much alive and well. By I way, will put the people of the great state of Oklahoma against those pansies out, self-absorbed, narcissistic people out there in L.A. and Hollywood any day of the week. If we ever start a civil war again, I'm leading our battalion to L.A. first. <laughs> and I'm running out with rice. I'm going to be a preferred walk-on with rice in game one. By the way, going back to Nomar Garcia-Para. One of our listeners pointed out on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, he was the shortstop on the Georgia Tech team that Oklahoma beat that's for right. the national championship yeah, that's exactly in 1994. Right. And who is uh, – Veritek was the catcher also. Jason, that's right. Jason Veritek was the catcher on that team. They had one other uh, – may have had a couple other pro prospects. But that's they, they had a very good team. That 100% correct. Mark yeah. Redmond powered him down, though. Yeah, good, good recall there. I miss Rosenblatt Stadium, man. All right, uh, we'll break right here. Thank you again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. A little more Sooner football on the way. Air Comfort Solutions tax line always available to you, 405-651-3439. But let's talk about this weekend. Any new news on uh, prospects the Sooners are in on? We'll get to that when we get back. Oh, we got to let this roll for just a second. It is a violation of the unwritten rules of rock and roll if you uh, jump right in and right over that riff from Layla, right? That's a top five riff of all time? I would say so. Yeah. And there's a lot of competition, but yeah, at least top 10. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at it because uh, they have the album cover there, and that is a painting of Layla. And, you know, Eric Clapton was messing around with George Harrison's wife. 
And uh, out of that rather tawdry situation came one of the great rock and roll tunes of all time. Right there. Patty Boyd, Layla. All right. Uh, I wanted to ask you about this weekend. And uh, obviously it's huge uh, for the University of Oklahoma. And I think you and uh, Tyler on Locked In set the over and under at two and a half for commitments, right? Yes, we did. Okay, uh, and, but you were talking about uh, Dylan Edwards, and what's going on there? <laughs> oh, you in a very, very good position to land Dylan Edwards. Very good position. And it doesn't take a whole lot of reading between the lines to see that, Mike, because you consider the fact that he was on campus the final week of January – and it's now turning around and going to be back on campus the first week of March. Now, you were you saying this kid is, again, maybe the next Darren Sproles Oh, type. boy, yes. You flip on the tape, Dylan Edwards is special. And I firmly believe he'll have his fourth star by the end of this recruiting cycle and could be a top 200 guy when all is said and done. He's not big. Five foot nine, one ninety. He can freaking fly. You know, and I heard you guys talking about it on the way home to do the uh, the streaming show yesterday. I always listen to you guys for thirty minutes before I have to fire up the stream. But uh, and you were trying to throw out uh, people were trying to come up with comparisons. Quentin Griffin again. It was a great back at OU. Six touchdown game against Texas. Uh, you know, I guess in stature, you could make that comparison. Roy Finch never lived – and I was thinking Roy Finch also when, when you guys talked about Roy Finch. Never lived up to his ability. They've never really had that Darren Sproles-type Deuce Vaughn, you know, the latter-day Darren Sproles at, uh, at K-State. They've really, not that I recall, have had that guy. Totally in that role, right? Yeah, he's. when you think about what he might be at the University of Oklahoma, there's not one guy that you can compare him to, at least in recent memory at Oklahoma, that totally fits the mold of what Dylan Edwards is. He's a unique type of commodity, and he is what Rayleigh Brown would have been at Oklahoma, and he's what Rayleigh Brown is going to be at USC. He is incredibly elusive in the open field. He's the type of player where you just get the ball in his hands and put him to work. You just let him cook. Whether that means lining him up in the backfield, in the slot, out wide. There are so many things you can do with a guy like Dylan Edwards. And again, he's probably the type of player that's going to demand 15 to 20 touches a game just by virtue of his skills. What he brings to the table will demand that you give him the ball 15 to 20 times a game because you never know when he's going to break free and make a house call. All right. Uh, so, again, uh, Rayleigh Brown, who was committed and now has joined uh, the evil empire out there at the Death Star in uh, in L.A., um, you know, five-star. Dylan Edwards is at three right now. Would you say he's going to end up being a four uh, when I it's all said and done? So, we'll see. Um, Jacoby Johnson, what are you thinking? Kid from Mustang, can play. You, know, you like him better as a wide receiver I do. or DB? I do. I like him better as a wide receiver, and I think he's going to be tremendous on either side of the ball. He's one of those kids where it legitimately doesn't matter which side of the ball he plays. You know, There are some players that are quite clearly cut out for one side of the ball more so than the other. That is not the case for Jacoby Johnson. He will be able to be – an all-conference caliber defensive back or an all-conference caliber wide receiver. I think his ceiling is just a little bit higher at wide out 
because of the natural feel for the position that he has. But I do think Oklahoma is in the best spot to land him. They've been recruiting him very actively for almost two calendar years at this point. So uh, I, I think it'll be hard for OU not to get him. I'll just put it that way. Something would have to go very catastrophically wrong in order for another school to step up and challenge Oklahoma in the race for Jacoby. Speaking of uh, guys in high school who played and were really good on both sides of the football, uh, what do you think the future for Billy Bowman holds? Is it still one? Is it one hundred percent defensive side of the ball? Could that change? I what think do you that think? could change. I do. Um, from everything I've heard, he's looked good in workouts, and there's some confidence that he's going to be able to contribute in the defensive backfield. But man. I watched him play offense in high school. I watched the impact that he had on the game. As And guess what? You know the type of guy he would be actually somewhat comparable to is Dylan Edwards. And I don't think he has quite the same downfield speed and agility in the open field as Dylan Edwards because I think, man, Edwards is just special in that regard. There are very few prospects across the country that have his type of explosiveness and elusiveness. But Billy Bowman is close. And that was a guy that legitimately played all over the field in high school. Offense, defense, special teams. He did it all, and he did it all very well. You know, it's interesting when you think about uh, other prospects like that. How about Braylon Presley? Do you think if Brent's staff had been around, uh, you know, uh, before now, uh, they were around last season, that you would see maybe Talon Chetron and uh, maybe a Braylon Presley? Uh, and I know, you know, uh, more than likely they probably would have offered uh, Shetron's brother the tight end as well, right? I would think so. So, again, uh, th- there seems to be a uh, a little more focus on the state of Oklahoma than the previous staff. Not that, you know, you have a great plan. That, like, you know, Mule Shoe staff, they were all over Gentry Williams and some of the other big prospects in the state, obviously. But, um Maybe a few more Oklahoma kids getting a, an extra look from this staff or a lot more? I think when you're talking about the state of Oklahoma and local talent, there's still guys that are going to have to stand out. It's not as if OU is going to offer every single nationally ranked prospect within state lines. It's going to have to be a guy that is absolutely, without a doubt, capable of playing football and cracking the starting lineup at Oklahoma. But – particularly when you look at the 2023 class, the state of Oklahoma is deep with high-end guys. You're talking about the likes of By Job and not just Jacoby Johnson, but Micah Tease, Eric McCarty, Cole Adams, Luke Has, formerly committed to Oklahoma, now committed to Arkansas. I don't think it's an impossibility that Oklahoma gets five of the top six in the state because I think, well, they obviously already have McCarty committed. I I would favor them to end up with Tease and Johnson. I think there's a good chance they end up with By Job. And as long as they don't keep dragging their feet on Cole Adams, man, as long as they make that offer soon, I think they'll get Cole Adams too. Yeah, what's going on there? I heard you talking about that yesterday uh, as to why the offer hasn't come yet. Official. I I guess because they just want to see him in person mm-hmm. before they make the offer. Which, to some degree, I understand, but some part of me also thinks, well, what do you think you're going to see or not see that Nick Saban didn't see or not see? <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> if a kid's getting an offer from Alabama, yeah, if Alabama's walking is, into your backyard. the stamp of approval for any kid, right? Yes. If you have the Alabama offer, you can play football. By the way, Cole Adams is visiting Alabama this weekend. So Okay, and for those who don't know, uh, Cole Adams is the wide receiver, uh, correct? From Out of Owasso. Owasso. Yep. Yeah, uh, just in case you didn't know. So, class of 2023. So, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, yeah, it, it looks like a pretty good year. Yeah, in-state, no doubt. By the way, uh, correction via the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, it, going back to the conversation we were having about Sooner Baseball, one of our Tulsa area listeners says, Redmond didn't start the 94 game against Georgia Tech. Mark Pryor? No, it was Kevin Lovinger. And oh, but Redmond finished it. Well, right? no, no, no. Who Redmond, was it? The game I was thinking about was Arizona State okay. in the semifinal where Redmond just shut him down. Okay, yeah. I think he went eight innings in that game, struck out like 10, something like that. He was just – he was nails. But it was Kevin Lovinger in the national championship game and then Bucky Buckles. Bucky Buckles, yes, closed it. That's right. Bucky Buckles, one of the great names of all time. And the other major leaguer for Georgia Tech, I can't believe I didn't remember him, Jay Payton. Right, so you had Nomar, Jason Veritek, and Jay Payton all on, all on that team. And they were like – All future members of the yeah, Boston Red Sox. Heavily favored to uh, to win. The Sooners got it done. And uh, I believe – I believe Peyton and Veritek were on the Red Sox World Series team in 2004. I don't think Nomar was, though. Uh, yeah, I, that sounds right. All right, we're going to break right here. Thanks again to our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a vehicle from the Seth Wadley Auto Group. And don't forget about the greatest guarantee in the automotive business, oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. One more segment. We'll uh, have some final notes for you when we get back. All right. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. NFL Combine in Indy getting underway. Uh, it's Thursday through Sunday, I believe, right? I believe technically it's already started. It started, but, but they'll be on the field, right? Like yes. Thursday through Sunday. So you got Perry on Winfrey, Nick Benito, Isaiah Thomas, Brian Asamoa, DTY, Kennedy Brooks, Jeremiah Hall, Marquise Haste, Tyrese Robinson, Mike Woods is there, right? And Gabe Burkich. Uh I'm trying to think if there's anybody else besides Jalen Warren for uh for Oklahoma State there. I, I think that may be it. But all right, so we know that Perrion Winfrey is well thought of. We know that Nick Benito is well thought of. Who is a guy that might surprise for the Sooners at uh, at the Combine? I, I would say it's Nick Benito because I have it on good authority that Nick Benito is poised to surpri- surprise some people at the Combine. And uh, people I talk to are confident that his physical performance is going to make a statement. And look – I am one of those that's in the camp where I don't understand what the hang-up is with a guy like Nick Benito. I understand if you think he's a tweener, maybe he's a little bit undersized to be playing the edge in the NFL. But the dude's production and his pressure rate in particular speak for themselves over the course of his career in Norman, Oklahoma. And if he runs somewhere in the neighborhood of a 4-5, which I've been told is a possibility at the NFL Combine, and he posts decent numbers on the bench and... Uh, it's not just the speed, but the strength that he's able to demonstrate. I think Nick Benito is a guy that can sneak into first-round territory, Mike. I really do, because I already know for a fact there are NFL franchises that like him towards the front end of the second round, as it is. And much can change. 
with a combine performance, you know, he may not stay there if he doesn't perform well, but uh, if he does post good times in the 40 and he does post a good number on the bench, just generally has an above average showing at the combine, I think Nick Benito is a guy that can turn some heads towards the end of the first round, beginning of the second. You know, it, it's going to be interesting, and the combine certainly can help you, And uh, but it doesn't mean everything. I remember Orlando Brown's combine workout? It was like uh, the viral video of the combine. Uh, and people are thinking, really? This guy been talked about like he's going to mash people in the NFL? Guess what? He is mashing people in the NFL and has been since day one pretty much. Um you know, and you think of the Sooners, uh, when you talk about Trent Williams and you talk about Orlando Brown and you talk about Creed Humphrey, you're talking about three of the top maybe five linemen in the NFL. And what about Lane Johnson as well? Lane Johnson has had a heck of a career also. Heck of a career. Uh, so you would put maybe those three of those at least in the top ten, no doubt. Everybody still think, thinks that Trent Williams is the best tackle in football, right? Yes. And that's Orlando Brown hardly a debate. Right there in the conversation. And Creed Humphrey uh, had this rookie season that was unbelievable. I mean, just incredible. Um, probably the, might be the best center in the NFL already. Probably is, based on what he did uh, last year. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens at the Combine. All right, what else is happening tonight? Uh, Bedlam women's basketball, Jenny Baranchek and a company. They can go to 23-6. and six. They're 19th in the country uh, with a win in Stillwater tonight, 630 ESPN+. Plus. You have the Oklahoma State men playing at Iowa State tonight. Uh, that is a 6 o'clock tip, also an ESPN Plus telecast. Thunder and the Nuggets. Josh Giddy still has the hip issue. The Thunder playing in Denver tonight, 8 o'clock on Valley Sports Oklahoma. Good luck with the app. If you're going to try and watch on the app, that's maybe the worst app in the history of apps. Not very good. Uh, and again, everybody is uh, thinking about the big uh, women's gymnastics showdown coming up Friday night at the LNC. Number one, Michigan, taking on uh, KJ Kendler and the second ranked Oklahoma Sooner ladies at 745. And that will be on ESPN, too. Have you ever been to a gymnastics meet? Yes, it's been a minute. Has it? I haven't been. I it's think so- since right before COVID hit. Was the last gymnastics meet I went to. Man, this, obviously Oklahoma's a powerhouse, has been for a long time. But uh, Michigan and Oklahoma, the biggest battle since the uh, – what Rose Bowl was that? Like the 74 Rose Bowl when the Sooners uh, – ro- long, long before orange, my time. Orange Bowl back in the day. when they, Rick Leach was the quarterback for Michigan. I think they had Rob Lytle and Gordon Bell. And uh, the Sooners won that game uh, in Miami way back when. So – uh, the Wolverines and the Sooner Ladies, Friday night, 745. And that's why we'll be here tomorrow, 9 to noon. We are switching places. It's a switch out. Uh, we're coming in to do the Plank Show tomorrow. It won't be Steel Man and Thune at noon. It'll be Steel Man and Thune in the morning. But we need a jingle for that because if you're in the morning, you need a jingle. Uh, and then Plank will be doing uh, our show tomorrow and uh, talking with K.J. Kendler and uh, the Sooner Ladies getting ready for that matchup with Michigan coming up on Friday night. K.J. Kendler is really good on the radio when she's on uh, with Plank. Very entertaining, good stuff. Obviously, she's a tremendous coach, but I, I enjoy her, uh, you know, her uh, 
her back and forth with Plank and uh, the good story she has uh, about the program and what's going on. It's, it's good radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Riverwind Casino, get out there for some great promotions this month. The $80,000 courtside cash promotion, the drawing uh, is coming up the first one this Friday night. Get out there and win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play. Later in the month, the $80,000 land into luxury promotion, which officially begins March 13th with the drawing on March 26th. You can win a bunch of cash and bonus play in that promotion as well. And you could win the grand prize, a 2022 Cadillac XT5. Only from our friends at Riverwind, simply the best. All right, Locked In is coming up next. Parker, have a good show. We'll see you.